0: Watched a video of tyler williams uh saving a woman's life and and her her heart of gratitude to come back and say thank you and we talked about how do we as a church get creative of how we reach people and you know when i applied to run for city council was this uh i remember my brother said what what are you doing you crazy and people said i didn't know you were into politics And, and, and to be honest it is and will always be about pursuing people for me. And how do we step outside of the box of, of the ways that we step into people's lives? And blame it on Jesus is <laughs> really where, it's, where it comes from. When God puts something on your heart, do it. What I love about this this whole process is I've been able to collaborate. So moving forward, um, Taranjeet Singh is what was one of the candidates And he's super passionate about the youth, and he wants to create a youth committee. And um, I'm excited to partner with with somebody like this, and, and also just to have access to our public safety personnel. I did an event, and through that event, we got to partner with the fire department, and you guys were here last year. We did an event with the police department in this building, and it's not coincidence that God opens these doors, but if the gospel is not shared and preached into the lives that we come into contact with, we're missing the mark. If we're not telling people about Jesus and the gospel that saves, we're missing the mark. And so I'm just humbled to be in a position, uh, as a pastor's son, in a position to learn And based off what I know and learn, we're called to counsel and teach. And I'm just grateful for this church and how they have equipped me um, and many others in this church that are are, uh, church plants. But I look into this room, and man, there's so much potential. There is so much potential in how God can take every single person individually to develop and grow and mature In the the same way Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, we are to grow in wisdom and spiritual stature. But that growth is dependent upon your communion with Christ. And the more it's impossible, impossible, to be in communion with the Son of the living God and live the life that you used to live. And that's the beauty of of knowing Christ is that he comes into our hearts and he does this work. I'm under construction. I'm in this process of sanctification. God is changing me from the inside out. I'm on this journey of changing from glory to glory to glory to glory. I'm no longer condemned. I now live in freedom to be who he's created me to be. And there is so much confidence and boldness in who I am in him. Amen? And that's the access, my people. That's the access you each have. So, when you develop an understanding of the power within, that through faith you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that you have access to every spiritual blessing, all that Christ is, is what you have access to. You can now operate and move with so much courage, with so much wisdom with so much compassion, so much forgiveness, where what people see is peculiar, it's weird. (laughs) You don't look like this world because you're really living out the person of Christ in such an impactful way. I love the stories of people that I've been able to influence through Christ. I love the lives that have been changed. You guys have watched us baptize people in this church. Baptize people at Chick-fil-A drive-thru. Baptize people in in our home. But that's not the finish line. The finish line will not happen until we get to heaven. The, the, The process is discipling people. It's pouring into them. It's being connected. It's communion. And so we're going to dive into text uh i don't have slides today but if you can turn to your bibles to john chapter six and john chapter six verses twenty two verses twenty two to forty but before we, we we dive into the text just to recap last week the heart of worship is to, to, really understand that we're not just meant to, to know God and, and, grow in this wisdom and knowledge, but our, our worship should mature as well. And, and, and there's, there's, a, there's a process of transformation that as you're changing, your reverence and, and, and adornment of, of God is, is growing with that. Like, it's impossible just to be in complacency with like, oh man, I love Jesus, what he's done. What I've learned is like, man, there's these aha moments in scripture. When you read the scriptures and the text that speak to you, you start to like have these moments of like, I can't believe what I'm reading. I can't believe the love that's been lavished on me. And so we talked about the old covenant and the new. To really appreciate the new covenant in the new way, you have to go back to where you come from. You have to go back to the Old Testament to, the, to study and to see the vigorous and tedious cycle when you sinned, the work and effort it took for you to be made right with God. We never experienced this. But in order to you, for you to appreciate the cross, you have to immerse yourselves to understand your history. Understand the history of the people of God. And the more you look at this process, the process of condemnation, the process of death, the more you'll look at what Jesus has done and just appreciate it. My dad would sing this song, Every Day with Jesus is Sweeter Than the Day Before. And as a kid, you just heard the song and just would sing it. But as you know Jesus... Yes, every single day is sweeter, because every single day God is showing me revelations. God is showing me the importance of loving my neighbor as myself. And as I'm loving these people, there's no lid to what God wants to show us, because as long as there's living people around us, God is going to show us something new. And I've been appreciating what God is is doing. And so before we dive into the text, you have to understand There's this tool that I used to work at a sheet metal shop. My mother-in-law owns a sheet metal shop in Union City. And there's a caliper. some of you guys might know what a caliper is. um, To measure the thickness of metal, Uh, I had a digital caliper. And sometimes if the caliper gets kind of dirty, you got to clean it out, um, wipe it down, and then you you close it and then reset. It goes back to zero, which gives you an accurate measurement. Does that make sense? And so when I think about church and when I think about why we come here is because we come to worship Jesus for who Jesus is, is truth. And and we live in a world where the devil is the father of lies, so we need truth to combat the lies. The, The importance of being part of this community is to know truth so that as you navigate through this world, you can discern good from evil, right from wrong, unrighteousness and righteousness. So in this text, Jesus is really realigning his followers with what truly matters. And what we do every time you show up to church is you're getting realignment. We need this. We are like sheep that go astray. We, We make mistakes. And the truth is, outside of these walls, if you're not being intentional about spending time with Jesus, there is a lot of other noise that you're consuming, whether it's your TV, whether it's music, whether it's bad company. There's, there's so much out there that can kind of enter the heart and change what we believe. And so Jesus is the only person that can recalibrate the truth of his word. And so verses 22... The next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, We want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe. Everybody say, Believe, believe. in the one he has sent. They answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, Our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed throughout through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is in the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Man, let let that one sink in, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will, and this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day so when reading these texts, something that—so I'm rocking this, this hoodie that I, that I got at a preacher's conference that, uh, that Tim and the, the staff had, had sent us to. And it was just an amazing um, event that, that really was a bunch of preachers coming to kind of learn how to structure a sermon, but how to get into the presence of God so that you preach from that place of knowing God— and, and And part of that was uh this this cool way that you structure is when you 're reading a text is learn that there's moments in scripture there 's movement in scripture, and then there's the mystery what is God saying to us the application and it 's been a really effective way that um that i've been able to to study the text and so uh, oftentimes you you look at the text and there 's something happening on the surface you, you can see the obvious and so what we notice is if you read prior verses, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And, and as he's fed the 5,000, he's done a lot of other things too, right? He's created a frenzy. There's a mob of people flocking to Jesus. Jesus is the man. He is, he is feeding you. He is healing you. He is including you. He is, he, he is, he is he's being so inclusive, but he's also uh, courageous enough to call religious leaders He's speaking with authority. He's captivating an audience. He's causing this, this following that is, that is you know, you think about um, nowadays, it's like, you know, we got vehicles, we got social media, but Jesus traveling by foot, there was this, this massive amount of people going to everywhere he went. And so, what Jesus is, is stating here in verses, um, verse 26 says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miracles and signs. And the same way Jesus is calibrating, he's, he's realigning their focus. He's, he's, he's reminding them or he's exposing them. And I think when we understand that the scriptures, right, that, that God's word is God-breathed for, for teaching, for correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, that we come to church so we can learn God's word and, and, and operate through the lens of what God has called us to be and to do. But in this journey, we have to be realigned. So Jesus has this moment and he is calling them out. He's having this DTR moment. Does anyone know what the definition of DTR? Yeah, define the relationship. For anyone who's ever fallen in love, you talk to someone, you get to know them, you want to get to that point where you're like, all right, where is this going? Are we just friends? Is this exclusive? What are we doing? And, and in that, there's, there's communication. And Jesus is communicating I think Jesus wants to have this DTR with us as a church. Imagine just sitting in a coffee shop, and Jesus comes and sits next to you, puts his arm around you. He looks at you, says, all right, what is this? What, what, What am I to you, Cedars? Craig, what am I to you? Patty, what am I? Who am I to you? And it's so interesting when you see Jesus call, when he even, uh, the question when he asks uh, Peter, I believe, he says, Peter, who do they say that I am? Peter tells him, he says, but who do you say that I am? Our view of Jesus needs to be right. And I think that when we are building a strong relationship and we understand, understand true communion with Christ, it's a pursuit and in intimacy with Christ. Draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you. Just like any relationship, my wife and I, uh, we actually have a date night tonight, right, babe? Yeah. So, so not only that, I have my kids, right? My, my daughters and I, uh, we just started planning date nights with my kids. And and this is a way for us to really establish a strong relationship as a father, raising girls, as a husband who has a wife. We need to build on top of these dates and learn more about each other, pursuing each other. The intimacy is, there's no lid to the intimacy. The lid to the intimacy is your disconnect. When we disconnect from Christ, we miss out on what God wants to say. And when we have the right view of who christ is if he is the way truth and the life then are we treating him like such do we treat jesus as the way because throughout our week before we come back to church there's a lot of other ways there's a lot of distractions and i believe that when we can find that that real sweet spot of being intimate with Christ and developing this relationship and developing developing not only a strong prayer life, but a a life in the Word, because we trust that the Word of God is is something that we deposit into the Spirit. Through faith, you've been sealed with what? Holy Spirit. The Spirit is who you've been created to be, right? Created in the image of God. God. So God deposits his spirit into your heart that now you operate in the soul. So the spirit is deposited in the soul. Your soul is your will, your desires, your emotions. So to worship God in spirit and truth, now you yield to the spirit based off the truth that you deposit. That now changes your perspective. It changes the way you think, the way you love, the way you operate that has an effect on the physical, Spirit soul, body, but oftentimes we care more about we do it backwards i need to I need to go to church I need to you know I need to read my Bible and that 's effective but but sometimes it's we forget it's internal that flows outward getting alone with the king so you can understand the kingdom getting alone with Jesus so that how you live your life how you you love people, how you view your family, how you view this community is reflective on that intimacy. And I love when second Corinthians and Paul talks about uh, we no longer look at people in the natural sense, but every single person, believer and non-believer are eternal beings. Every single coworker you know, every family member you know, every neighbor you know is an eternal being. So when we understand what Jesus pays for, we now have access to this gospel that saves. We no longer look at people as just random people walking walking by. We now have a heart for people as we pursue. And Jesus is checking these people like, why are you coming to me? Are you only coming to me for what I can do for you? Are you only coming for me for an, an another happy meal? Are you only coming to me because I healed your friend and you want healing too? Or are you coming to me to be in my presence? And as a pastor, I've learned the importance of being in the presence of God and that Holy Communion that has shifted and changed the whole heart of me. And and what this has opened the window to, it's opened the window to immersion. The word immersion. I remember uh, I was on a a forum and, and all the other candidates were talking about or what would you do about the homeless issue? And, and I just went to church. I was like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to tell them, you know? And, and I said, well, the, my approach to the homeless issue is uh, uh, I just, I want to make sure that uh, we're building relationships with this community, but it's, it's not a fix-it, it's not a band-aid uh, uh, a problem. It's a relational issue. And what I think is important as, as leaders, everything rises and falls on leadership how do we teach leaders to step into this community? Because I think all we want to do is fix the problem through programs, but if I can teach a people to immerse yourself into communion, community, what happens is that you care more for the people. But what I've learned, what I've learned is that I find out found out that I actually needed the help more than I thought they needed. Does this make sense? Because here I thought that I was going to do them a favor, but God was changing my heart as I showed up for people consistently. And in the process, God is changing my heart. He's sanctifying me because I'm getting into the mess, but then I'm revealing my own heart on issues. Sometimes I started the ministry because I want to do what God says and I want to do a good thing. But in the process, God is all, I think there's something that you need to recalibrate in your view of your neighbor. And the more that I started to immerse myself in these communities, God has revealed the beauty of what they can teach me. And it's not just the unhoused community. It's not just our youth ministries. It's anyone that doesn't know Christ, even those who are Christians, we all have something to pull from. And I think about how important it is for us as a people it's not to just adapt to the way the world wants to create certain programs, which are effective. Let me just be honest. We need programs. We need these nonprofits to, to work together. But the, the focus of why we do the thing we're supposed to do has to start in our hearts. It has to be for the love of our neighbor. And not just to do something for the sake of doing Something good, but knowing that God is not wishing that willing that any should perish. So, how do we pursue our neighbors? In verses 28, they replied with, We want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you believe in the one he sent. I think there's like a singular command that carries a boatload of blessing. There's a singular belief in Jesus that carries the blessing of in that belief Jesus takes you on this journey in this relationship. And, and there's, this, there's this book I'm reading, um, uh, I think it's a forget the name of it but it's not in scripture but it's this illustration that jesus is you know i'm looking at a pile of just manure and in the book it says jesus puts his arm around him and he says it's a lot of crap huh talking about my sin and he says "Well, let's go clean it together See, when you come to Jesus, there's no condemnation, and oftentimes we tie our baggage, we tie our sin, and Jesus, what he does when he steps into communion with us, he says, let's go work these things out. Uh, Well, you are saved for your past, present, and future sins, but there is this work that I want to do in and through you as you, as, as you deal with these things. And what I've learned in relationship with Jesus is there's a lot of things that I didn't get last year that he is working on me this year. And the more I'm connected to him, those things, it, it's a process, right? You, like, we are not perfect, but we know the one who is. So what happens as you are in communion with Christ, he develops this relationship that sanctifies us and changes us. And this process is so beautiful. And when you know that every day with Jesus, is sweeter than the day before because there is something real happening in our hearts. There's something real that's changing the way we see the world Changing the way we raise our children is changing how we serve in our church. It's changing everything. Every part of us is meant to be changed and shifted, recalibrated. And Jesus is the only way that can, only one that can do this. In 26, 27, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Um uh, oh, verse 35, sorry. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is not what they wanted to hear. Their appetites were fixated on what Jesus has already done for them. And the truth that I've been able to know is that God is always trying to do something in me. And when I care more about just what, who he is and the person he is... God literally takes me on this road to discovery. And it's, it's a journey. And I think that when we can find value in who Christ is, the value of something is determined by the price that was paid. And if it took the sacrifice, the son of li- the living God, the payment, that payment, to determine my value, our value... That, how, would we, how do you really see yourself? How do we see ourselves? And Christ, who is the most valuable thing, that the means of my uh, clemency, the means of my being saved, took his death, then we're probably worth more than we think. Amen? Amen. Know your worth. And when you understand your worth is found in Christ, then the way that we live our lives is reflective on knowing. And I tell my kids often how as we grow and I teach them and model for them what being a Christian looks like, it's very important for me to live it out. I can just say Christian things. I can just teach them, read them the Bible. But my most effective way to do this is by how I live my life. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. This is a misunderstanding of scripture. They're saying Moses gave them bread from heaven, and Jesus is saying, no, my father did. And so sometimes when we come to church, we need to understand the the importance of the truth. I said this earlier, we need to get the truth in us. We need to discipline ourselves to make sure that every single day we're doing the hard work. And this, my my buddy Jaron said this, and this is cut me to the core. He says, it's crazy that we have access to Jesus. And it's crazy what happens when we really trust him. The transformation that happens in my life. It's crazy. He also says, but it's simple. It's actually, you just, it's like one plus one is two. Abide in me, you bear fruit connect with Jesus and you'll bear the fruit of what he paid for. It's like really easy. It's so easy a child can do it. That childlike faith, faith of a mustard seed, God grants you his spirit. It's, it's simple, but it's hard in the fact that there's discipline. It's crazy simple, but hard. And that's where the, the, the rubber meets the road. This is where we, we get to recalibrate, realign our hearts and know that this is a fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So when we understand the fight, we understand the things that are are at stake, but we understand the fight will be really intentional on how we build a strong faith. Your maturity doesn't happen on accident. It happens on purpose. I I love... uh, David came to Bible study and... I don't think you realize, like, what you said when you came and, and you know, it was like three weeks ago, or a month ago, I said, what brought you to the, the Bible study? And he was like, well, yeah, your sermons, they kind of like, they kind of hit me to the core. And that's the beauty of, like, God's word when spoken, right, it, it causes this work in us that convicts us. And, and it's so empowering to see how, how faithful you are to come into the fold and grow. And what I love is how you, what you've added to Bible study and how you've been able to articulate the wisdom. But that happened because you surrendered and you knew that you needed, you wanted to grow in your faith. And so this is the journey that we get to, to journey along, every single person. And especially as for me, Laura, Esteban, Tim, all of us as pastors— We have to do better. We have to do better on how we shepherd this flock to make sure that everybody is growing. But that growth is dependent upon your communion with Christ. Fall in love. Who remembers that first date? Come on, y'all. The silence is like, ah. Who remembers that first date? That feeling of butterflies. You remember that, Gary? Like, oh, you hang up. No, you hang up. Like, do you remember that, that the butterflies and how the love was so infatuating that all you wanted to do is be with this person? and But that love was never meant to stop. It was only meant to grow, to grow in love, to grow in intimacy, and this becomes the journey of us as Christians. Jesus should not just be a weekend thing. He should be an everyday thing, but the manifestation of his very personhood is now in us where we walk into this community and people say, that dude is different. That woman is different. She talks different. She loves different. She's crazy in the way she cares for people. And this is how Jesus is trying to help these people know it's not about what I can do for you because that's a byproduct of being with me. Just be with me. I will provide, I will help you, but just be with me. Experience my presence so that you can experience the whole purpose of why I came. It's relationship. It's intimacy. And so I want to close with this because when you talk about recalibration, let's continue to do this. I think Tim is preaching next week, but it's How do we move from understanding the old covenant and understanding the new way, and then how we move from from this heart of worship to really understand that I need to have Jesus in the right view so that I, I can live out the life that he intended for me. And so how we do this as we partake in communion, it's how do we know that we are a people of God? A praying church is how you decide if this is a church at all. If we don't pray together, if we don't talk to God together, we can't call ourselves a church. And so I want to encourage us. This is something that we get to recalibrate, reimagine, practice and live out. So there's a challenge that I want to, 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 to do with you guys. Find five people right now. Just five people that I want you to gather. Now I'll close this out. Right where you're at, get out of your comfort zone. But get five people and we're going to pray together. And the segue into this is what I want to pray about is first talk to get to know each other. Communion. Let's be intentional. We'll get to know each other. But in this circle of five or six or whatever, when you're talking to each other, what are the things that I need to focus on this week so that I can spend time with Jesus, so that I can truly know Him and be with Him for the right reason, not for what He can do for me, for just to be with Him and to know Him. Because it's in the authenticity of your knowledge of Jesus that will allow you to become what He paid for. So right now, the courage... Just Meet with five people. We're going to pray together. And as you pray, ask God to guide you this week. But also, this is an opportunity to build a strong community. I see you guys. I see you guys. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Yes, yes. What can you do this week to realign with knowing Christ. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Um, what is my mic? <laughs> open mic, open mic, <laughs> open mic, open mic.